0: Do you want to run further, faster, or stronger? Do you want to enjoy your running more and generally be a better version of yourself? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Alan Ladd, a running coach and nutritionist. My aim is to help you improve your running from 5Ks to ultras by providing you with the knowledge and tools you need on training, nutrition, and mindset, as well as giving you the inspiration to dream bigger, achieve more in your running, and to make it fun at the same time. Welcome to The Running Rules Podcast. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Um, Welcome back to The Running Rules Podcast. Today's guest is Sarah Lacey. She is an accredited CBT practitioner and founder of Nourish and Nurture, a nutrition, mood, and behavior change coaching company. Sarah was awarded Health and Fitness Entrepreneur of the Year in in 2021, and one nutritionist of the year in 2022. From struggling with her own weight loss journey postpartum and due to Graves' disease, she realized the need for emotional regulation to play a central role in managing behaviors around food and eating. So I'm really excited to get talking to you all about mindset and a bit of nutrition as well. Welcome to the show, Sarah.
1: Thanks for having me, Alan. Love it to be here.
0: Um, So let's start off with a bit of your backstory and tell us a bit more about your business, who you help and what issues you help to solve.
1: Sure. Um, Well, I specialize in helping mostly women between like 30 and 50 to de-stress their way to weight loss. Um, I noticed that there was a gap in the market for that kind of strategy where we were looking at mood and emotional regulation first and foremost. And so I use psychological strategies that I'm equipped to offer through my CBT work. um, And I offer that um, alongside nutrition coaching. Um, So I've been 18 years as a CBT practitioner and psychological coach. So it made sense for me to utilise that in terms of nutrition and managing eating behaviours, because a lot of us are derailed very much by mood. So um, it made sense to uh, go down that route and it's working really, really well. Um, and also, obviously, confidence and weight loss does come, but also there's a sense in which people have like a toolkit that they leave with. Um, when they finish working with me, um, that helps them to manage the difficult moods that they would go through, like anxiety, low mood, um, stress, And they have tools for that now. They've got actionable tools. So I'm excited to to let them know about those because many people don't. And sometimes they're not even sure about what their stress cues or triggers actually are. And we need to stay ahead of the game to preempt, say, emotional eating or yo-yo dieting, because that's where it all starts. It starts with how happy or unhappy someone is uh, or how stressed they are. Um. So there's two strands to my business Um, as a private therapist and then as as nourish and nurture and within nourish and nurture I have two types of support there's my one-to-one mentoring which involves psychological and nutrition coaching Um, and then there's my 90-day food and mood freedom academy which is a self-paced 90-day course where people are coached by me but it's in a different capacity So that would be my two main ways that I would support people. And then my upcoming podcast and things like that, that just really just help people to know that there's a different way to lose weight. But more importantly, just feel really good in the short and the long term, because everyone's done with diets and diet culture. So it it makes sense. So it's exciting.
0: Yeah, it's it is very exciting especially the blend of mindset and and nutrition together which i think is is really important and it's obviously really important for the, for for my audience as well of of runners um i think a lot of people get into running potentially to lose weight or possibly for the other reason which is probably the main reason i I would run is for for mental health as well. So it's kind of a a a triad of of things there that sort of feed into running. Um, What kind of problems do you see with people struggling to get started? um, Either with, well, if I'm if I'm looking at people, it might be running. But if you're looking at people with a weight loss journey, what what is the the problems that people have getting started? And what are some of the solutions to that that problem? Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think sometimes there's just a lot of overwhelm because there's so much information out there as to what the right diet is and then the, people think okay I have to go keto I have to go paleo I have to ban you know, certain food groups um, especially if they, th- they think think they have a food intolerance um, without maybe checking that out with a GP or a specialist um, Mindset is a big one in terms of just kind of th- in terms of mindset that's a broad kind of term but what I mean by that is Um, their kind of mental state at that point but also how they view themselves and how they view their ability to make these changes so there can be some doubt and some fear and then obviously anxiety uh, around uh, maybe perceived past failures for instance so we have to kind of uh, look at that first what I would do is I would you know get someone on a call and um, really just listen to their backstory and what they've tried before what's worked what hasn't worked Um, But because mindset is something that's so multifactorial, it does influence and uh, depend, it depends on um, the, the individual themselves, their temperament, their previous experience and their current lifestyle. So I assess all of that. I do a full audit, if you like, of kind of where they're at mindset wise, nutrition wise, and then stress management or mood wise as well, so that I know where I can begin to start to support that person um, I think procrastination is a massive one and we see that a lot. You know, there's I'll wait till Monday and I'll get back on it on Monday. There's that whole thing of waiting for the right time, but like life does not stop for our goals. And I think it's important to kind of just connect with, right, does this really matter? And I, I'm very values driven, values based. And so, and again, I do that in my therapy as well. And there's a, there's a therapy called ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. And basically it just um, encourages people to act in accordance with their values um so uh whilst they might not know where to start but just go for that first run for instance um they, they they want to they want to commit to the value of the run but they're worried about like their performance or will i get a pb this time um you know h- how far will i be able to actually run because i haven't run in months for instance so it's it's kind of looking at all of those things and um There can also be the fear of repeating previous, as I say, perceived failures and then um, also not taking care of other areas like sleep hygiene, stress management. Because I think sometimes we can get so focused on all the goals that we have. Um, For instance, it might be that PB, it might be uh, weight loss, but it's about looking at the peripheral habits that affect all of those things. And that's why I always stress um, sleep hygiene as a form of stress management, as well as recovery, of course, and um, helps training performance. Um, So they need to have an idea of where they're starting from. And then also I find, and you might find this too, that there's sometimes... um, a sense in which people kind of compare themselves to like other buddies who are like running or, you know, um, I see it, in terms of the gym, you know, and other people like a cluster of friends might make similar health goals, but it's not really based on any individual goals. It's because someone else is doing it. And again, back to that values um, sort of perspective, it's thinking about what actually matters to me. Um, is it chasing that number and getting to that target weight, or is it actually, I want to get stronger, uh, but also lose a little bit of fat as well along the way. So more body recomposition rather than, you know, strict weight loss. And um, So it's it's by having these conversations with our clients, and I'm sure you do the same thing, that we um, kind of pull out those strands and, and begin to know where to start. Um, I also think that there can be a lack of support. Um, some people can uh, make their goals in isolation uh, because they don't think that family or friends would understand um which is especially the case if you go to a gym where you train regularly and maybe other friends don't they'll just not get it um also things like life life circumstances like when you're working night shifts um that that greatly dysregulates uh, mood and appetite and energy because obviously it dysregulates the um, circadian rhythm um and that could make that, say, next run feel like such an arduous task uh, whenever you're already feeling under par. So it's about looking at sort of what are the strengths in someone's life as well from the, from the outset and really capitalize on those and then find workarounds for any of the struggles that they have along the way. But um, starting off, it is really about getting a full in-depth sense of where they're at mindset, uh, mood wise and nutrition wise.
0: Yeah, so many good points you've raised there. About six or seven that I want to expand on there. But um, yes, definitely see that with a lot with runners as well. Um, a lot of the points you made. So we'll will start when um, insert thing here. And usually, unless there's a massive life event where you know you really can't take something on, you know, a big life event like a wedding or a death or a birth or whatever, usually. There's never a right time because something else will take that time Um, that you think I'll do it when, you know, something happens, but then something else will will take that place. So, yes, just picking a start point and making that today. I used to when I I used to yo-yo around with running. I know it's not the same as yo-yo dieting necessarily, but kind of kind of similar. I would get into running for you know, a week, two weeks, a month, a couple of months, and then I would stop running. And then before I knew it, weeks had passed and I was dreading it going back out again. Um, but I always remember saying, well, I'll start on a Monday. Um, and that's not so bad because a Monday comes around every week. So it's not so bad. But it, if you're waiting until, you know, I'll start next year or um, I'll do it, you know, after once the... The summer holidays are back and the kids are going back to to school or whatever it is. If it's a long period of time, then there's no real good start point. It's best starting today, really. Yeah. Talking about um, confidence, I think people do lack confidence, especially possibly around the knowledge. Like you said, there's a lot of, of um, different differing opinions out there. And it's maybe not just a confidence in their own ability, but their own knowledge as well Mm -hmm. of of what to do and finding the right people to to follow. But is there any way that someone can build their confidence uh, at starting something new um, just by taking small steps? Or what would your advice be around that if if they're not sure of what to do or their ability? What is the best way to sort of gain confidence?
1: I, I think it is, in the first instance, simplifying everything. So like not um, saying, OK, week one of a program, uh, you must hit 100 grams of protein. You must train five days a week. It's about, you know, setting those smart goals, I guess, collaboratively with your client. Um, I guess as you get to know them, you can give them a little nudge if you need to feel like they can do more in due course as their confidence grows. So, you know, simplifying it for them as well, simplifying um, nutrition, um, simplifying um, activity levels and again, simplifying, um, say, say stress management or self-care techniques. I would tend to set one goal within each of those in the first week um, because it is just about kind of nailing the basics at that point, like tracking if people want to track food, even that in itself, that's a skill. Um, so people need to get used to that, and we know that habits are formed usually within what twenty, like basically a month it takes to kind of really solidify a habit. So I think it's about managing uh, their expectations as well, having that conversation about, you know, this is the ideal that we will get to, but here's where we're starting from, and everyone's starting point is different. So again, back to the comparisons, ill-favored comparis- comparisons that are not helpful. It's like you're you, and this is these are your goals. This is what matters. And you do it's not a race. That's another thing. You know, it's there is no kind of there's no fire. It's like, you know, it's it, this is about um forming a blueprint for the rest of your life. So there can't it can't be rushed because we need to do it right. And let's let's really refine what works for you, get you doing more of that. That will make you feel good, will make it'll make them feel more confident, obviously, if they feel good within themselves. And when they're ticking those boxes then you can build on that um, so I think it is about about that and then in the tricky moments of like right when it actually comes to doing the, the training or when it actually comes to um, tracking because it can be there can be a big barrier around that um, offering other solutions like um, a food and mood diary or using not my fitness pal it might be just tracking protein initially I've got some people who just track protein, um, and they kind of make sure that that is their priority. That's the one thing they want to get right, and with, with that comes uh, better energy, and they're craving less. And they're see- they're seeing all this happening, and they're like, "I'm doing this, and I'm doing it right," and that you know that builds their confidence again as well. So I guess there's no one size fits all. That's a really important approach to take. Um, do you find that too?
0: Yeah, I definitely see people trying to take on too much um you know at the start you know when you you want to flick the switch and say right that was me and now I'm flicking the switch and now I'm someone completely different but like you say you've got to you've got to find where that start point is Um, if you're not doing something consistently um, that you need to be doing then it might not be if, if we take running for example if you want to build up to five days a week you can't just go from running no days a week to five days a week because, for starters, that's it's, you're likely to pick up an injury. But yeah. you're also going to fall off that 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 schedule unless you're you really have a strong reason to to do it. It's going to be difficult if you've had a history of of doing something for a while and then dropping off. Then build it up slowly and do little things and, like you say, pick. The one thing that is the most important thing to get right, whether that's getting two training sessions in or getting your sleep in or tracking um, protein or whatever it is, the one thing for that week, get that pinned down and then carry on. And I think that that's true in a lot of things in life. You know, it's it's not just nutrition or training, it's just daily habits. and And that's what it is. I think you alluded to that. You know, it takes a while. To build up those habits but people can see that the most successful people have all of these things going for them they have all of these habits and they want them straight away but it doesn't work like that generally <laughs> unless no you're especially very lucky.
1: whenever people like that have like a team behind them like if there's, there's more than just one coach <laughs>
0: exactly so um it's building up each of those individual habits and, and stacking on top of them um uh yeah i definitely think that's really important um talking about support we, you've mentioned um the support of a coach but um i think it's really valuable like you say to have the support of the people that are around you um friends or family um but sometimes i guess it can be difficult especially if people have s- you think that people have this perception of you being one way and you want to make a change. Mm-hmm. It's maybe difficult to have that conversation, but what would your be your advice for, for people who are worried about sort of putting themselves out there and saying, this is what I'm going to be trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think people are, are scared of, of failing at something. I, I would think, you yeah. know, if someone says they want to, to run a marathon and they've never, shown any any interest in that that before and people might think oh well that's that's a bit of a strange thing to do um why are why are you doing that
1: yeah I mean there is that thing of that perception that you know I'm not allowed to change I'm not allowed to be different so you're almost thinking or people like that might be thinking um you know how will I be perceived if I do this and then fail as you say or just if you know who am I allowed to change? Like there's that, it's just like almost like you have to give yourself um, that unconditional permission just to kind of do your thing. So I would say, um, not putting yourself under pressure to tell anyone to announce it. There doesn't need to be an announcement. There doesn't need to be anyone that is necessarily told unless you feel it would be helpful and you're better to choose people who you trust and who kind of get in some sense, what you're trying to do and why. Um and the other way to do it is if you want to sort of um, drip feed information, almost to say family who don't go to the gym or something, um, actually just letting them witness um a couple of little wins or you know how you're feeling differently compared to say so many weeks ago, like energy would be better, nutrition's better, um, sleep is better, um, you know, and just kind of you know kind of dropping into conversations, little bits and pieces of what they're doing. Without again that announcement, because I think it's a big pressure to say, "Okay, I must help." You know, I've decided to do this. I must kind of. It's, it's, there's a rule around that, like um, what we talk about in sort of CBT land is about kind of um, shoulds and musts, and it's important to watch those words and watch that language that we use with each, with each other and ourselves. Because the minute you use the word "should," it doesn't feel great. Um, like it's a pressure. So it's about just saying, "I can." You can reframe it and say, "I can." um extend this information to other people and and share this with them i can also just not and get on with it myself and when i feel like celebrating a win or when i'm really elated about something or really interested by some new pb that i didn't think i could maybe reach this this early on um i'd like to share that with them and um but uh, yes, community and support is definitely um, important. So it's about finding like minded people on, um, well, in, in, in actual like running clubs, for instance, or gyms or uh, online and Facebook groups and um, like three podcasts and, uh, you know, um, other just other places that kind of culminate an audience, because that's where you meet other like minded people.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I definitely think it's it's important to have the right people around you and it's also quite difficult maybe sometimes when you have people that are maybe similar with similar goals to then not fall into the comparison uh, yes. cycle um so what's what's your advice for getting away from that comparison I, f- I find there's two 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 sides to this because I sometimes think well most of the time I think you should focus on yourself uh, and that's the main thing. Um, don't compare yourself to others. Everyone else has, has a different journey. They have different things going on, different amounts of time that they can commit to something. But there is there is a possible positive side to comparison, which is if you frame it in the right way, well, that person was able to achieve it. So why can't I, not, not why can't I, but there's no reason why I can't. They're just a normal person. You know, I, I can strive towards that as well. There's yeah. maybe a slight positive spin you can put on that, and that's where I find in the club if you get the right people together, they can push each other on quite well. Um, yeah, but I it, mean it's a, a fine line, isn't
1: it? It totally is, and there's is that sense of kind of positive competition. You know, it's but it's where you take that, and if if you don't meet certain expectations based on that kind of approach, do you go home and then annihilate yourself for not reaching a certain you know, a uh, goal or whatever it might be. Um, in terms of how to manage it, I think it's it always goes back to, does this feel good? Is this making me feel good? So checking in with yourself and saying, you know, is this making me more anxious now? Or is this actually really lighting me up? Is this Has this lit a spark for me? Um, has this inspired me to think, right, let's go, let's, let's revamp and recharge the batteries and uh, let, let's get cracking on the, on, on my goals too because if that person can do it then there's no reason why I can't so yes there's there's room for both though I think it's about not getting into dichotomous thinking about it again that's what I cover as well in in, in my coaching is that all or nothing thinking which we all do we all we all do that and it's like you know it's either a terrible um workout or an amazing one or I had a terrible day nutrition wise or really good um it's it's not it's hard to get the middle the middle ground so i think it's about taking what you can from whichever approach as long as it feels useful if it feels helpful you'll know it in your gut um like something useful doesn't make you feel stressed something useful doesn't make you feel like you're the worst runner in the whole whole world um now there might be barriers to that and there's also that i've just made a very kind of uh sort of black and white statement maybe because of course with that then it's about going to maybe a mentor or a coach and saying look I want to be inspired by this person but actually I'm taking it in as something kind of like a rod to beat myself with Mm -hmm. and then it's about mindset it's about sort of thinking right well um let's unpack this a little bit let's actually debrief this um and look at how you could maybe replicate some of what that person's doing but also do it your way and find your rhythm and and then that brings the person back in line with their values and their goals so it does take a a coach or a mentor I think as well like someone a bit more experienced as well as the the community of peers and like-minded people to to assist with all of that
0: it's funny you should say about um terrible runs are or great runs you know it's either or um well it shouldn't be either or but That's definitely how it used to be for me. I'd be get very sort of up and down um, on a day to day basis. Oh, that was a brilliant run! I'm an awesome runner. Next day, that was a terrible run. I'm a terrible runner. And uh, I listened to a podcast quite a while ago um, about an ultra runner down uh, down south of Ireland, and he was basically saying the reason, or one of the reasons he found or thought he was quite successful, was really to keep on that even keel especially through a long ultra race, but this goes for, you know, life in general to never really sort of think that you're amazing or or really great and never think that you're really terrible. Just try and keep on this even keel. You'll have slightly better days, slightly worse days, but try and keep on that even keel because it really sort of, it stops you sort of yo-yoing up and down. And I think that can really sort of if you do yo-yo up and down, can lead to real sort of anxiety about, well, where am I really in this journey? Um, rather than thinking about, I mean, I think we've all seen sort of progress is never linear. You sort of go up and down in a bit of a zigzag, but try and think of it as being sort of a linear path and and stay on that. Um, but yeah, it's interesting you, you made that point because it really resonated with me about how I used to feel about my workouts. Um,
1: also you useful, sorry, go ahead. sorry, go on. I was just going to say, um, it's also useful to kind of, sort of similar to what you're saying there, kind of stay with the day, you know, like stay with that particular training day, and 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 note the wins, acknowledge the wins, take in the good of the wins, and then be prepared to hit the reset the next day, and not that you're discounting what happened the day before in the great run that you had. But you're like, okay, that was that was then, and and that was great, and we'll learn from that, and we'll go forward and into the next day, and then that next day, stay in that day, and it's almost like, um, by not, yes, you look you look ahead in terms of the long term plan, even kind of medium term plans, but in in terms of how you actually do that and how you pace yourself and maybe pace your expectations, and maybe level them out, it, it's helpful to sort of stay with that day and not look too far ahead, um and then take time occasionally or, you know, well, maybe say on a monthly basis or whatever to review kind of, and then project forward and and, and look at your kind of longer term plans.
0: Yeah. And I suppose uh, when I'm saying stay on an even keel, you still need to check in and be honest with how you actually feel. Um, I think as you were saying about the comparison syndrome, be honest about how other people are making you feel is it a good thing or a bad thing and and also on a day-to-day basis is is there a way that are you one for journaling i mean it's something that i know has has been very beneficial for a lot of people and i've done it very sporadically and i feel like i should do it more um what what's the best way to to get into that in terms of is it something that should be put down and then parked or put down and reviewed on a periodic basis what what would be your tips around journaling and be and checking in with with it that way
1: with journaling i think there's so many meanings people attach to it and associations so um some of them not so positive some of them great so um There can be some mental barriers around that, and I noticed you you used the word "should" with yourself there. About I should, (laughs) I should journal. That will not help you to journal. (laughs) So, um, just just, it's just it's about catching those little like those little messages you're giving yourself sometimes. But uh, in terms of journaling, I would not push any kind of structure. Or the whole point of journaling is it should be flexible. It it is best that it is. flexible it is um like I would journal as and when I need so I used to go oh my goodness I haven't journaled today uh in fact I haven't journaled in three days and then that became a stress uh then I felt crap at journaling and then that started to kind of go you know sort of reverberate out so you can see how with one potentially positive uh tool in a toolkit it could actually work against you sometimes so it's about how you actually approach um doing it if you do it at all it's not essential for success but I would say it's really helpful for personal accountability personal reflection um insight that you can learn from that you don't need to learn from in the moment it's about really just thought dumping just have a brain dump and then close the book and then you can go back to it at another time because you know we don't have time these days you know and, and, and it doesn't have to be like half an hour ten an hour 15 20 minutes five 10 minutes whatever you've got time for so again not being prescript- prescriptive about the regularity or the duration of journaling um you even think about it in terms of like any rules like when we have rules around food what do we do we overeat or we excessively undereat. sometimes you know so but we go into extremes so if we can just offer flexibility with journaling that's that's really key so that a client can feel like well this is something I can do it doesn't mean I have to do it but it might be helpful. And I mean, some people dip into it and some people don't. Most of the clients I have journaling now initially were like, no, not really for me. Um, And then just gradually they, you know, they they bought the notebooks and that, you know, but um, they changed how they thought about it. They they just gave themselves permission to dip in and out of it Uh, and not doing doing it too close to bedtime because that can kind of bring up lots of different thoughts and feelings that would maybe keep someone awake. So maybe you know early evening kind of time or um, even at the end of a training session or indeed at the end of a working day. So I have some people doing it in terms of just putting the day to rest and see it as that. It's not journaling, but it's just putting the day to rest. But in that putting the day to rest, you're counting the wins, you're counting the struggles, uh, what strengths and qualities you brought to those struggles. And then you're basically worrying. You're You've got allocated worry time um, and you can then have a, a to-do list that comes out of that. And then you don't have to go to bed thinking about all that stuff because you've put it down already.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll I'll clarify when I said should, I used to document this sort of a form, a form of journaling, I, I suppose, but I used to document how every run went. Um, I, did, I got into this one when, when I hired my coach and I, did, I was quite consistent with it. And then, dropped off, but it's really, really nice to be able to look back, especially when I have the same session, you know, that I had maybe a year ago or, you know, two years ago. I mean, I've been been with my coach now for nearly three years. It's really interesting to go back and all I have is, you know, the numbers from my watch, you know, if I don't have those notes because the numbers don't tell you everything, you know, you might hit certain paces, you might um, run a certain time, but you don't know how that felt unless you can remember or you've journaled it somewhere um, or documented it. So I think even for me, just you know, a couple of minutes doing that is really beneficial to be able to look on, look back on, and that's just for running. You know, it's not getting into any of the other sort of life things that you might might feel like you want to do. Um, but yeah, I feel like the idea of that being flexible, flexible, and not an extra stress or, or anxiety. That you place on yourself. Um, let's segue slightly because you've you've talked a couple of times about sleep and stress. I think those are two massive things for obviously nutrition, um, but also for running as well. I know if I'm not well rested, it makes um, a session, a running session, really a lot harder. So, mm-hmm. what? kind of things do you work on with your clients and what what are the biggest struggles you see with managing sleep and stress
1: well to start with the struggles um there's a lot of FOMO goes on like the fear of missing out um you know uh, in that next Netflix episode that will be there the next day but you know they sit up on, until midnight and watch it anyway and have to get up at maybe five or six in the morning um or they've got young kids that will be waking them up anyway um so there's so that would be one. Um, there can be like a rebellion against the day. Like I've had a really stressful day. I'm gonna sit up and I'm gonna, and there's this almost kind of that's what I would call it, just a rebellion. You're like, and I, I would say that to them, I say you're you're rebelling against your busy day because you've had such a day. Um, and they get that. Um, and I do I've done that in the past as well. So it's about recognizing these things as well. So recognizing the struggles is the first port of call. Um I think just noticing if you're getting into a rut, you know, that that can be the struggle is actually, I've got into now a, a habit of, over the last, say, six to eight weeks of late nights, early mornings, late nights, early mornings. And then all the while training is meant to be intensifying. And I'm trying to keep up with that. I'm trying to keep up with work. And so there's like a cumulative struggle that happens. Um, and I would say that because the the, 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 The time, I suppose, it's usually at the end of the day for most people. um, When they could be in bed, it it is their time to to have peace, just peace. When no one needs them, um, they can mindlessly scroll. That's another struggle as well, though, (laughs) is just kind of that. um, When you have that cognitive arousal from um, the light from tablets and phones, etc., that's a major issue, especially if it's like within the hour of going to bed. And the other struggle I would see is. there's no sort of routine of a wind down. It's like, oh, it's 11 p.m. I should go to bed. And they're expecting themselves to then go to bed, but they're not properly kind of un- un- unwound from the day um, or there's stuff to do, or they're still thinking about things they need to do so they can't go to bed and, and other things that might have procrastinated over. So there can be a time management struggle as well. So there's loads of struggles, that, um, but I would say um, having a solid routine, like um, say two hours before you go to bed, start preparing to go to bed so have the kids lunches made um start to have your downtime or think about it um as 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 close to within that, that two hours beforehand if you can um so that really the last sort of 45 minutes is you're getting changed you're you're doing you know you're having your shower or your bath or whatever it might be um and that can really help a bath can really help actually in terms of um it will increase the body temperature but then cools the body down really quickly and that then signals to the body that it needs to prepare for sleep so it's 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 to do with the melatonin signaling um there is there are nutritional ways you can work around this like tart cherries uh black cohosh i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that right um i've never tried that but i think it's like a herb or something um <laughs> um bananas are good as well um and um tryptophan, which is an amino acid found in Turkey, really good for melatonin cycling as well. Um, but aside from kind of the sort of in-the-moment nutrition-based stuff, I would always say stress management throughout the day to then, you know, allow someone to have that downtime at night where they're not still ruminating about the day or about the training session or about what they haven't eaten or what they should have eaten or. Um, Because overthinking is massive. uh, Because that just—it's basically anxiety. It's worry. It's a worry cycle. Um, And again, I would use worry periods, the journaling, breath work as well. I know I'm going into kind of more stress management based stuff, but I think the two are very, very closely linked. Um, Like if you think about during the day, your stress levels, your your cortisol and adrenaline will be you know raised throughout the day, and if you've got no outlet throughout the day, kind of peppered throughout the day you're going to bed flooded with those hormones. So where they're going to go, you're going to feel wired and tired, and not sleep. So you need to have almost like see yourself as a little pressure cooker and you need to lift the lid from time to time. So that might be uh, going for the, the uh, walk at lunchtime. It might be um, some like two or three minutes of sighs. Sighing is a really good way to regulate the breath and regulate the body so that it de-stresses the longer out breath communicates safety to the brain and that's what calms people down um and that's your breathing anyway so why not just do some size um they just don't need to be audible if you're in a meeting for instance um but yeah um so like breath work and physically moving stretches i would get people to just like do you know just random stretches like chair yoga if they're not that mobile or um if they can't get up and, and do some yoga flows that's another thing um Taking a proper lunch break is a massive one, you know, in terms of managing stress because people aren't getting a break during their day. Um, And watching the likes of overtime, that sort of thing, because then work time then encroaches into free time or family time. Um, And then there's no boundary. So again, setting boundaries um, with certain responsibilities that you have is really important for stress management and therefore linking into kind of sleep. Um, you, you know if you're stressed and you've got your you know to-do list that's getting ever longer you're not going to be able to get to sleep that back quickly um, and incentivizing sleep can be good so having a reason to go to bed firstly seeing sleep as this very thing like most people wake up and they want more sleep they're like oh I'd love to just lie on for another maybe 15-20 minutes so connect with that at nighttime and go remember this morning you were really, really hankered after that last like 20, 20 to 30 minutes of extra sleep. So now you get to go now you get to go to sleep, see it as an opportunity for recharging the batteries, for recovery, um, for mood stabilization, for appetite regulation. Um, and so you can maybe promise yourself um, a, an episode of a podcast or an audio book or read a physical book, do a puzzle. Um, Something reasonably mindless, but interesting. Although there is research to show that if you can bore yourself to sleep, you'll get to sleep a lot more quickly. So like, you know, finding um, or listing, I don't know, like uh, cities in the world beginning with the letter D. And your brain just decides to get bored and then will eventually just shut down because it's so bored. Um, We know this from um, uh, the sleep science professor, uh, Jason Ellis, who I've done some training with. Uh, he's the only uh, professor in sleep science in the world and uh, that's what he was saying so it's interesting that we can bore ourselves to sleep if we can find certain ways to do that so
0: no there was actual science behind that because we've we've done that before you know the alphabet game and uh, my eldest sometimes has problems sleeping so we give him things to do and sometimes it works sometimes sometimes not but it's interesting that there's there's actually method to the madness because i don't know where we got that idea from Yeah. Um, But talking about um, time for yourself through the day, I think was what you were alluding to with those, you know, those breaks through the day. I think those are really important because one thing I see in our household is a bit of that sort of resentment that once the kids are down, then really we should be going to bed as well. But you want that sort of quiet time where you maybe haven't had that, especially during the summer holidays. You might not have had much quiet time, but it's really trying to, I think, get those pockets of time during the day and to not only mean that you don't need necessarily that time after the kids have gone to bed for whatever it is, mindless scrolling, hopefully not that time. um, But also that you recharge at points through the day, because I think people sometimes have this idea that if you power on you power on you get more done but probably your actual efficiency is going down all the time when you don't take a break so um it's trying to be honest about that conversation you might be powering on but are you being productive with it exactly
1: Um, but if you think about how um our, our society works um being overworked and burnt out is rewarded you know, you get your promotion, you get That's your great. overtime paid, you get, you know, it, it's encouraged. Um, So it's really difficult to kind of give yourself permission. But you think about it. I mean, not that we're like, I'm not going to liken us to cars, but as an analogy, you know, if your car needed diesel, are you going to just ignore it and just say, let's power on, we'll just power on. Or if it needed like a top up of oil, just power on. It's not going to work optimally. So why would we give our cars more care than we do ourselves? And it, it's, it's not a fluffy self-term thing to do. It's actually crucial um, in terms of uh, mood management, even appetite regulation as well. If you think about, if you're not taking the break and you're not eating, you're going to be starving by dinner and potentially choose suboptimal food choices come dinner. You know, what so-
0: happens. What happens in, to me in that situation is I, I'm snacking as I'm making the, the dinner, then, <laughs> uh, which, which is uh, not <laughs> a suboptimal then. no. Uh, because your, your snacks are not likely to be the most nutritious options then and then when you actually come to eat the proper food that you've cooked maybe not as hungry as you, you were before yeah. um yeah there's some some great advice in there um that, that's um really helpful I think um I really want to try and pick your brains on um trying to Im- improve performance in long distance running because I think a lot of it when we're talking about endurance events is the ability to endure discomfort for an extended mm-hmm. period of time. Um, and I don't know if you have um, obviously there's there's parallels you can draw to to life potentially as not the same thing, but how can we learn to get better at coping with difficult situations and not giving up? If if we're thinking, I don't know if it is the same or it's different, but if you're living with a difficult situation, there's no escape from that. Whereas it's different if you're in the middle of a marathon and it's, it's really hurting, you have the option to stop. Um, so there is a difference there. Is there anything that you can do from a mental point mm-hmm. of view to sort of endure through that and, and make sure you get to, to the end, because not giving up is obviously <laughs> going to get you the best <laughs> yes, results. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, it's about checking in with yourself beforehand and saying, right, this, this is probably going to suck at some point. Um, so preempt the discomfort um, would be one thing. Um, but when you actually, fe- in moments of that discomfort, know that that is you breaking through another barrier. You, you know, you, you've gone further than you've gone before, potentially, potentially if it's a particular race. Also bearing, bearing in mind, if you've been there before, uh, so in a previous race, for instance, or a previous really tough training session where you hit that, not hit the wall, but like you were in that zone of discomfort that was building um, and you came through that. So you're kind of drawing on previous experience, but also it's there's a sense of, well, how important is this to me? So it goes back to va- values again. You know, Well, actually, this is important and my value to pushing through this is more important than giving up or slowing down or backing out a little bit, or coming down the gears a little bit. Um, that said, of course, if you're in, you know, if you're about to be extremely ill, or you've injured yourself, you've got to say, "Okay, I've learned that right here, right now, this is not going to happen. The discomfort is actually telling me something else." Um, but we we are primed to not tolerate a lot of discomfort, so that's why it's such a struggle. And I think we have this mindset sometimes of if it's not easy, we shouldn't bother doing it. You know, it's because it, everybody wants the quick fix, right? You know, they, they, they just want the, the win, but you can't, you know, you can't expect results without putting in the work, you know? So, and that's the work, isn't it? It's, it's like, yeah, the, like I was at the gym this morning and I literally thought I was going to throw up like three times. And I thought it matters more to me to, to like hit the numbers I want in the leg press and that's what I'm going to do unless I throw up first. <laughs> if my body says, no, I will. I will. And if I feel faint, you know, of course, I would stop at that point. I didn't feel those things. Um, and I, thankfully, was not ill. But um, you do have to be guided by your body as well. Like, don't be stupid about it either. Don't let the ego watch the ego because the ego can creep in and say, you know, make it so, sort of go a little bit gung ho like I did this morning. And then my body said, oh, I don't think so. So I thought, right, I'm going to adjust my training accordingly. So I still feel like I've done something. So again, getting into that sort of not all or nothing thing. um, But in the moment with discomfort in, uh, for instance, that like long distance run you're talking about, it is about sort of really remembering why, why am I doing this? You know, like as long as you're clear on your why and you want to even visualize actually the breaking through of that barrier, that's a really cool thing to do, actually, Uh, and because well um, usually psychological coaches would be trained in that anyway is visualization pieces where you can actually literally picture in your mind and we, we know that through research if you can picture something it's more likely to happen similarly if you write down a plan you're more likely to action it so you're kind of trying to find these like mindset hacks but also really sometimes in the moment it's about grit your teeth and do it anyway um similar to the feel the fear do it anyway Um, but you just got to always balance out if my body is telling me something else I got to listen to that too because I don't want to be out on injury for the next six months
0: yeah it's definitely um, I think it's definitely easier the more things you do because then you get to know is this just my brain saying this isn't very easy I'm not really happy with this or is it actually I'm I'm in danger here I'm I'm you know going to collapse or I've actually injured myself here and i need to stop um and i think also there's as you say there's the reason is the the big thing i mean not that i am ever really endorsing this but you know if you're at the end if you're at mile 25 of a marathon and you think you might have injured yourself but you nothing coming up the next but you have a mile to go are you really going to stop at that point if that is the thing that you've been training for so long and it means so much? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might have to get just get through it however yes. you can. Yeah. But it, like you say, it's probably better having those decisions or, or having those discussions with yourself beforehand. What am I prepared to to go through? Like if I pick up an injury at mile five of a marathon and there's another 20 to go, then it's probably not worth going on at that point. I pick up a, one at 25 and there's only a mile left I'm yeah. gonna get through that
1: well yeah um, that makes sense
0: yeah but possibly I think sometimes it's best yes you need to adapt in the situation but sometimes it's not it's good to have some kind of framework agreed beforehand rather than just letting your brain decide oh I don't feel great today I'm just gonna pull out of this and then 20 minutes later you're sat thinking why did I why did I just give up on that um, and yeah or just pulled the pace back loads and then realized, well, actually I would would have been okay if I just, you know, dialed it back in five or 10 seconds a mile or something like that. Um, But it's funny before every marathon, my coach does exactly what you just said and says, just remember that the last 10 K is going to suck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Be prepared for it to suck.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But there's something in that in terms of, and I would would, um, say this with pain clients that i would say, in you know in my in my counseling work um is that there's a fight there's a fight flight response to to the actual discomfort and, and they would feel that with pain chronic pain say nerve pain or something after an accident um so they're living with this and every time it flares up the stress response makes the pain worse so the stress response that you, that someone might notice coming up in the midst of the suckiness will make it all worse so it's better to sort sort of make friends with the suckiness and say hi I expected you you know welcome <laughs> um come along for the ride you will not stop me so you know it's almost like you always have to sort of personify some of these things to kind of um yeah understand and contextualize them a little bit but also distraction is going to say that was another thing stay distracted if you yeah. can stay distracted I think it's about then you know staying distracted in terms of what's going on around you but also then staying distracted from the thoughts around this sucks you know yeah. as opposed to oh there's a you know a red sign up ahead or there's that person in the green raincoat or you know literally random little things that you can choose to sort of pay attention to because it's, it's called attention training as well so you can train your attention to be more externalized than internalized so that can be quite helpful
0: yeah, that's actually something I talked about uh, with my clients before the last round of marathons is where your focus is going to be. Is it going to be internal or external? Mm-hmm. For me personally, if things are going really well, I'm just really dialed in and I'm really internal. I'm just in the zone and I'm in my own world. Once things start going a bit wrong or I'm, 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 I'm hurting or I need a bit of distraction, that is when I go out and see right, what what are these people doing around me? What What's the crowd doing? you know, and and having those external cues to try and get out of my own head. Mm -hmm. Because I think if I'm in my own head and it's, it's negative, that's when you can sort of spiral downhill. Um, but I'm fine in my own head if everything's going well. Um, I don't really need that sort of external validation or, or, or distraction if things are going well. So there's definitely sometimes a shift in focus for me during a race Um, The other thing that I found is that certainly for a long race, it can be a bit of a roller coaster. So even if the suckiness hits, you know, a certain point, doesn't mean that you're on a downward curve or downward spiral necessarily, because things can turn around. So it's trying to sort of check in and say, yes, this is a tough moment right now. But it doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that the whole of the rest of the race is going to be. Um, a tough moment because at some point you're going to be close enough to the end where you think right I've got this now I've I've yeah. overcome that so it will get better at some point and it might not be as long as you think and um, for it to start feeling better um, exactly. so the- I think that's when the distraction probably techniques can really help
1: mm-hmm. and it's it's an ebb and a flow because the distractions are fine and that you know that they the will work for a time and then once that sort of centers you again and kind of maybe helps you to uh, not stress about the 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 sucky moment, then you can internalize again and go back. You know, so it's it's almost like an never ending kind of virtuous sort of loop, rather than a vicious cycle. It's like a virtuous cycle, um, where you just yeah, you kind of go, you literally do go with the flow and, um. Yes, stay, stay with that and not fight. Don't fight the suckiness because that's an added layer of stress. You don't need it in the middle of a, a, a race. So
0: yeah, that's a great point. Sarah, I've loved this conversation. It's been really helpful. Um, loads of great mindset stuff at the end there. Um, loads of uh, interesting things about around habits as well. I think people are really going to benefit from. Um, where would you like people to learn more about you and Nourish and Nurture? the best place for people to come
1: uh my website is just uh www.nourishandnurture um the little dot is uh before the re <laughs> um and that and um yeah or uh www.emotionalregulationcoaching.com oh and That's socials right. yes obviously i'm on instagram and facebook
0: i will put all of the links to your websites and your socials in the show notes so people can find them Um, Thank you so much for spending your time and talking to us today. And um, I hope that we will catch up soon.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time and I hope you've got something to take away and action in your own running. If you enjoyed the show, please hit subscribe and recommend it to someone you know. If you're struggling with your own training or want to get faster and stronger and not sure how to, the runningrules.com forward slash coaching is where you can find out more about getting personalized help with your running and nutrition to take you to the next level. Have a great week, stay consistent, focused, and most importantly, enjoy your running.